One of the best things about finishing a great book is knowing that you have another one ready to go in your to be read pile. With Book of the Month, you can make sure that your to be read pile stays stocked and ready to go. Each month, you can use the app to select from five to seven titles vetted and curated by the team at Book of the Month, focusing specifically on debut authors and early releases. If you can't choose just one, you can always upgrade and add more from your selection. And if that TBR pile starts to get a little too tall, you can skip as many months as you need to give yourself a little extra time to catch up on what you have. Personally, I am a huge fan of suspense and psychological thrillers, so I was very excited to see multiple books on the selection list for May that fit that description. I selected two different titles, both of which are set in Washington State, just like our favorite show, Grey's Anatomy. I thoroughly enjoyed The Return of Ellie Black, the first thriller novel from Amiko Jean, and have Middle Tide by Sarah Crouch ready to read on my road trip next week. Right now, you can sign up for Book of the Month and use code PEDALS to get your first book for only $5. That's code PEDALS, P-E-T-A-L-S, to get your first book for only $5. Watch out for that blue box at your door and get your TBR pile stocked and ready. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Gray's Academy. I am one half of the hosts. My name is Carmen. I'm Kelsey, and it is a beautiful day for a podcast. Carmen. The other half. The other half. You're the other half. I am the other half, yes. Two halves make a whole, and we are a whole podcast together. Um, We watched No Man's Land, episode four, without um, giving anything away. Just give me your one-sentence thoughts. One single sentence. One-sentence thoughts. Okay. I love breakfast and uh, toothbrushes. Okay. Okay. Relevant. I like it. Yes. I didn't, I didn't connect it at first, but it came back. I see where you did. Okay. So let's uh, just jump right in. So this was episode four of season one, No Man's Land which is a song by Billy Joel which is not a good song also. Okay, yeah. So we've decided that we're going to start uh, having Carmen listen to the song if it's not one that's just like everyone knows. And so Carmen listened to this song, I did not. So share your thoughts, Carmen. Other it's than fine. it was bad. <laughs> it's fine. Like if I pull I mean, up are the you lyrics, a Billy Joel fan? I I actually am. Okay. Uh I am a Billy Joel fan. I so do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I haven't watched all of it, but I have watched a lot of it. 
So in the last season, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a villain, villainous character who is like a huge Billy Joel fan. And it's like kind of a funny plot point. Um, so I, but I'm not going to spoil anything. But like looking at the lyrics. So the, the chorus, who remembers when it all began out here in no man's land? We've just begun to understand out here in no man's land how supply and high demand here in no man's land. The chorus alone, nothing to do with the episode, okay? Yes, so I think the debate is, when naming episodes, are they are they looking at the content of the song or are they looking at the title of the song? Because if you just look at the title of it, I kind of see where they're going with the connection. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was... But if you get into the chorus or the content of the song, I feel as though possibly we might be giving a little more credit. To what yeah, they were trying to do. Because <laughs> I mean, like a line from the verse, like, there ain't much work out here in our consumer power base, no major industry, just miles and miles of parking space. Nothing to do with like Yeah, okay, I, I get it. when I was looking up like the info about the song, it was talking about how basically Billy Joel just hates capitalism and consumerism, I guess. I don't really know. I didn't listen to it, but yeah, yeah. so that's uh that's the name of the episode. And now, the song uh, by Billy Joel, if you're looking to listen to it, check that out. Yeah, d- better better songs by Billy Joel. Just skip right Absolutely to Uptown Girl. <laughs> um, so, but I, I will say from like, okay, there are points of the episode. It's like if you're thinking of what No Man's Land means uh, in a standpoint of like you're, you're, you're alone. You're mm-hmm. in a, a point of no return. I think that there were a couple of points which we'll get to in this episode. Yes. Christina specifically... Actually, yes. Christina and Izzy well, and specifically. George. Oh, I and George. George. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that there's a couple of p- parts where maybe they they were in no man's land. But if you got to pick a title of a song, I guess they could have done worse. Uh, yep. If you're just going by title, even if, so, if you looked at it and you didn't know this is a song, you you could still make the connection to the episode. Yes. Yes. So, a plus. I give okay. it two. I give it uh, two out of five. <laughs> uh, what um, is that? Okay. Uh, med med student. Intern. I give it an intern. The the title or the whole episode? Just the title. Oh, we're done. That was it. That was was the conversation. (laughs) That's a wrap. (laughs) So glad we watched it. Okay, so this one was directed by Adam Davidson, who has directed a lot of other TV shows. Some of the more notable ones that I wrote down were Lost, Monk, Law and Order, Dexter, True Blood, Community, and several other episodes of Grey's down the line. So... Um, it was not written by Shonda. So this is the first episode not written by Shonda. This was written by James D. Perriot. And he has written a lot of other television shows that I have not heard of. So he does I don't have, know the name. He does have a career in television writing. I'm just not familiar with his other work. But he has written other episodes of Grey's as well though. So he will see we'll see his name again. Before before you jump on, question. Mm-hmm. Did you looking at this episode? objectively feel like the vibe feel like the vibe was different than a Shonda Rhimes episode. I um, didn't really feel that different. Yeah. I, I, I didn't either. I felt it was learn. very cohesive, very cohesive. Yeah. And I really was also surprised just cause I don't know why I thought it, I guess I just thought it in my brain for no reason, but I thought that she had written every episode in the first season herself, which clearly I made up because that's, and it's not to say that she's not involved in a writing process, obviously as a show creator and runner, um, but she's not like, she's not who was credited as writing this episode. So it was mainly our good friend James. 
So. Oh, James. So what this, was the first? Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. Oh, I was just saying this aired um, April 17th, 2005. So long ago, many moons ago. And I had two different numbers when I was doing my research. So the, um, what I got for the U- people in the United States who viewed it live at airing was 17.99 million. And then I had another website that said it had 19.18 million views. So I don't know if that was worldwide or like post recording or whatever. Um, I mean, they're, they're close-ish numbers, but still climbing up with the, the views. So still getting lots of people coming to the show, you know, fourth episode in still early enough for people to be jumping on the bandwagon for sure. So let me read the Netflix synopsis for you. Do it. Did you read and this while, one? Nope. Nope. Okay. I'm sticking to it. And also I like for that. anyone, I, like that. I, 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 it almost came up though. And also anyone listening yeah. to this just real quick, uh, I do want to point out with the show now. So now it's live, right? Kelsey. Yes. So every Thursday at what time? Is nine, the new nine, nine uh, central or nine Eastern, nine, whatever nine, it is, nine, nine Eastern. Eastern. So the new episodes of Grey's Anatomy drop on Thursdays. Our episodes that we do drop at 5 a.m. Central time uh, every Thursday for now. If that changes later on, we'll let you know. But we will be doing at least one episode a week. So stay tuned. Anyways, Kelsey, take it away, synopsis for Netflix. Okay, so this is... Christina's encounter with a former nurse, now a patient at Seattle Grace, changes her forever. Fair. Fair. It's not wrong. It is a major plot point. So, yeah, let's uh, dive right into that. So, So what was your first note that you wrote for this episode? So, one of my first notes I wrote was, this is one of my favorite episodes from season one. Really? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. This is... So... Um, when I rewatch shows, I do one of two things. I'll start from the beginning and just rewatch all the way through, or something in life will happen and I'll have a memory pop into my brain of a scene from an episode and I'll say, oh my gosh, I have to watch this episode right now. And then I'll just stumble into a rewatch from there because Netflix will just continue to play things. This one specifically, I would go back and rewatch for, and we will not talk about it now. We will talk about it when we get to it, but I would specifically watch it for Izzy's speech in the locker room. I love it so much. It's great. Okay. So starting at the beginning, my first note other than that is, ha ha ha. Remember writing checks? Yo, look at this. <laughs> Did you really write that? <laughs> I wrote, That's and so I quote, <laughs> I wrote, Ugh, remember writing checks? <laughs> amazing uh, it's like it's like we're best friends it's something like that that's so it funny. was so okay we i know that we're we're both millennials but there yeah. is there is a small there's like a one year two year age difference right like Jeez. i what? never wrote a check in my life other than oh, i've written a lot but like even even when i was like 16 first bank account first job like i don't even think i got a checkbook with my debit account i got when i got my uh, checking account, um, I got like a box of checks, and I got to pick the design, and so I picked. Oh, Mickey that's and Minnie, so funny! I got oh, so and I still have some of them because I I need them to know the routing number for when I have to input that information and stuff. But I in college I rented a house from the landlord owned the house. It wasn't a company. I just rented it from him, so we would just write him a check, 
And then for whatever reason, when I was paying off my car for a large chunk of the time, I was writing checks and dropping them off at the bank instead of just setting up um, auto pay because auto pay <laughs> for whatever reason would stress me out. So I just didn't. Do it. And then eventually I did it all. Everything went online and then Venmo existed, which was the beast. And now you could just sell anyone, any amount of money anywhere. And it's instantly in their account, which is great. That's but yeah, times. my, That's but so then funny. my, my next note went right from remember writing checks to, Oh, gonads and ovaries. Totally love that. I wrote hello kitty. <laughs> Cause you know, <laughs> I love hello kitty. And then, so I struggled with how to describe George's attitude in this episode because I do think you could classify it as sexist but really what it is is like archaic and that's yeah what I landed on is it's just so I I just don't understand I just I mean I do understand but I it's it's annoying to me I'm back on the George's annoying me train yeah well it's interesting too because they so I I hope that one of my predictions and hopes for the future like episodes is George learns more of an honest voice because if he really was feeling in that moment where why he decided I'm jumping around to confide in Alex of all people, fucking worst person ever. uh, It's just, if he was feeling emasculated at all in that moment, like you can say it, but also I think even his shower scenes is a bit of an overreaction. Like (laughs) Catherine Heigl is very attractive Walking around in the underwear, first, not a problem. Second, yo, let her see you naked. Worst case scenario, also, it's the yeah. naked man, right? Yeah. My thing is, it's it's everyone's house. Everyone lives there. So everyone deserves to be comfortable where they live. So I do, like, if he's uncomfortable and he wants to set that boundary, that's fine. But the way he sets it is waiting until it's happening and then just pitching a fit about it instead of maybe having a, an adult conversation at any point. And anytime it, I like what you said where you were um, said George needs to find a more honest voice because every time he's talking to someone, he's a different person and it's annoying. Yes. Just be who yes. he's. He's always trying to be who he thinks that person will like the most, and it's obnoxious. I don't care for it. Yeah, I would also like to understand why, if there's a grocery shopping rotation, like there are two women in the house. Mm-hmm. In George's defense, why was he voted to go get the tampons? It was just his turn, and they were out of tampons. Like, Which is they fine. Say, you go the first week, I go the second week, you go the third week. Um, I also don't understand why it's a big deal. For I mean, have you yeah. ever bought a feminine product in your life? Yeah, but they were all for myself. Right. And did your wiener fall off when you were at the checkout? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Well, then not. I think it's fine. No, I it's mean, totally okay. If you look now um, in 2021 versus 2005, I do think a lot of uh, dudes would do that now without any kind of issue or backlash versus maybe it would have been more common than for grown adult men to be turds about it. I think the issue just is, like, I don't think I would have ever, for any of my female friends, just gone to the store and done tampon shopping. But for a girlfriend, <laughs> I would have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So maybe that's the disconnect. But anyways, I mean, we, we maybe, digress. I think if I really needed you to go to Publix and get me some tampons, you would do that for me. If it was a, a yes. sticky situation. <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> I don't know why that I was just so spoke. funny. I no, misspoke. but it's true. It's sticky situation. Oh, yes, maybe. but okay. There's a difference. 
like we are family That's anyways true. anyways so, okay continue so anyways george is being annoying okay so we go to the hospital it's very early in the morning christina's there she's been there longer than anyone else she's gonna brag about it i love her she's gonna brag about it though and they talk about doing pre-rounds which is would be annoying as a patient i've never stayed well that's not true i did stay overnight in the hospital when i had a baby but I've not stayed in the hospital overnight because of a surgery. And so I don't know. But it seems as though they're going in at 5 a.m. And then coming back maybe at 6 or 7. I just, that would be annoying to me as a patient. And I understand they're trying to keep people alive. But, you know, <laughs> annoying. Right. Those um, bastards. <laughs> seriously. Um, so I like the conversation between alex and izzy where they he calls her dr model and she calls him dr evil spawn because <laughs> they do they say in this episode dr model is put to rest or whatever but they dr evil spawn gets mentioned again past this point which i just think is funny yeah i wrote down the 666 skull yeah. comment and that was that was funny and it's it's, it's you know like it sucks well. because like I don't like Alex. So far, he's my least favorite character on the show, and it's and it's not close, right? <laughs> uh, but also, if I had to rank the characters, my second least favorite character is is George. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was funny for a brief moment. Like, okay, I think you can have a quirky kind of like jabbing conversation about that. But the problem is, is that they actually don't like each other. Yeah. Like, if I were to make a joke with you about a tattoo and then you were like, oh, blah, 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 666 skull in your head. Yeah. Like, that's funny. That's like a regular conversation that we would probably Correct. have. <laughs> but the difference is that we like each other. They yeah. they hate each other. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an odd dynamic. Alex and anyone currently is an odd dynamic because no one likes him. And, and no one's reported him. no effort to change that. Like, how no one has reported this guy to HR also blows my mind. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um so then we go and we see Derek and Meredith talking and she's saying, we're not going to do anything again. I want to be professional. And he's like, oh, you want professional? And he does the nice talking to you, Dr. Gray. And he like <laughs> gets louder so that everybody looks around so he's, to make sure everyone notices their professionalism. And then I love that. I found that funny. I did have a bit of a chuckle. Um, and then we meet Nurse Fallon. So... She instantly reads Christina, everything about her, can tell from the second she walks in. They say she's been a surgical nurse for something, 18 years, I believe. A, um, a, a scrub nurse, which I don't know the right, difference, yes. but it's, it sounds like she's... The surgical nurse is a scrub nurse. Like, the, they're okay. the people who are in, they have to scrub into the surgeries, I believe. I think I am correct. Um, I think they are I'm not going to challenge you on that. Um. So yes, what did you? Th what was your first thoughts when you met Nurse Fallon? I wrote "savage" with four exclamation points. <laughs> uh, the the line specifically, which also I had to do some research. Do you know what a Whipple surgery is? I do, but only because of this show. <laughs> okay, so I did have to look it up. I because right. I was watching part of the show coming in and out of work, and Jess goes, "What's a Whipple surgery?" And I go, "I think it's about women's nipples. It's a it's a woman <laughs> nipple." Um, Close. Yeah, but no, it's about, for anyone that doesn't know, it's about uh, removing the head of the pancreas, specifically mm -hmm. in um, cancer treatments. But right. uh, when she says, I'll call you Christina and you call me yeah. Nurse Fallon, I was like, 
I like this person, yeah. but she's for sure going to die. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of knew that was coming, but yeah. spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiler. Um, with, with the pancreatic, I think they were talking about Whipple's being uncommon. And, and the reason it's such a big deal surgery is because I, I believe that pancreatic cancer is one of those things where by the time it's presenting symptoms that you would maybe notice, it's very far progressed. So it's maybe a rarer thing that you would treat it because you would have to have caught it. But I could be wrong. But I'm pretty positive that pancreatic cancer is one of the ones that gets um, caught pretty late stage typically. Yeah. Well, they said it only comes around like once every six months at that particular hospital. So, yeah, yeah it, that leads me to believe rare. it's yeah, rare Whipple. Uh, the, the next, the next patient that we talked to is mm-hmm. that, that Humphrey guy. What, what mm-hmm. were your initial thoughts about this person rewatching this episode? I wrote, Izzy's patient is being rude. <laughs> <laughs> I understand a little bit where he's coming from, but you don't need to be rude. You can ask questions and then maybe speak to Dr. Bailey or the other doctor and voice your concerns, but you don't need to scream at her more than once because you looked at a picture of her when you were horny. Yeah. Which we don't find out till later on. No, but I mean, you kind of could make, did you not think that right away? I guess I've no. watched this episode a hundred times. So I, I didn't, I, I guess in retrospect, that makes sense because how prevalent is the internet where if you wanted to access some sort of, thing to get you off that you could just google it but it it didn't occur to me that it was any kind of like provocative thing i just thought that he yeah i i saw it more as just there's for whatever reason he doesn't think that a model can also be a doctor or vice versa right and instagram and tiktok if it has done anything (laughs) else has shown us that you could be a model and a doctor or a nurse yeah that's correct um so that's interesting that it's nice to have someone who hasn't seen it a hundred times to have that perspective. Cause I really thought immediately, Oh, you know, he's just mad because he thinks about her when he's horny. Um, anyway, no, I, so did, the, I didn't, I didn't directly go to that. So then we get nails in head, man, <laughs> which is bonkers. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Uh, it's, I truly thought that part, I don't remember that part being in this episode. I thought it was way later in the series. Do you see that? Where where do I where did I write that? Is it on the top? Where is it? Yo, yeah, no <laughs> nails in that dude's head. Nine nails. Yeah. And then uh, McDreamy makes George and Alex do research on it, and it's happened twenty three other times. But they keep saying that the guy who did it to commit suicide doesn't count. <laughs> Just yeah, rude. <laughs> He's a statistic too. It's true. Anyways, um, so that was very jarring when they show the x-rays and it's unsettling. And uh, it's another one where, you know, he's had this horrific thing happen and he's just sitting up and talking. Well, he was laying down, but just conscious and talking to everyone. The biggest issue is nails in the head and can't see. But, you know, everything else is looking great. So I initially my thought process was that that guy tried to commit suicide. Okay. That was my initial gut reaction because there's no way I was trying to think logistically. If you're falling down the stairs, how do you get nine? I don't know if you could read that, but it says fell down the stairs, but still, how did this happen? Yes. 
And I'll, so your screen's a little bit blurry. I wasn't able to see that fully. Yeah. I don't know if I'm blurry on your screen, but yeah, I I was like, okay, maybe one, right? Like on an accident. Oh, whoops, kush, done. Okay, but like, whoops, kush, 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 well, yeah, like, I feel like what? somersaulting down because you're still holding it, and you have to. We have a nail gun. I mean, it doesn't hold like nails that big. We have, it's the smaller baby tack, like a staple nails. gun. Yeah, but it's nails, not staples. Okay. But anyways, but you have to, I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it's not something that would easily go. I'm still very nervous around it, but it's not something that would easily go off. So I, I also was questioning the logistics of fell down the stairs while holding nail gun. Yeah. So I, it was also weird. So I, I, I made a note for, for later on, uh, two notes about that one imagine, cause there were scenes where you could see the nails like popping out of his head. Right. Like they yeah. weren't they weren't all flush inside of his yeah. brain. Um, but then, man, that surgery. Holy cow. Because they're taking chunks of the skull out with it. Yeah. Yeah. To make sure that they're like con- fully controlling everything. Yeah. It's really crazy. I did not anticipate that at all. Brain surgery is. Mind crazy, <laughs> like fucking wild. The fact that at some point someone thought we can remove part of the skull and then just poke around the thing that makes us human beings it's yeah crazy. yeah and then when they so uh, side sidebar when they make you stay awake through yeah that's brain very surgery. common on this show there's a Ugh. lot of awake brain surgeries on this show i am so uncomfortable Prepare. just the thought of that it is, there are a lot of them um Okay, so now it's going to be a segment that we're going to call Living in Shondaland, where I tell you the guest characters that are on other Shondaland shows. So, All right. There's only one in this episode, and it is the wife of Nailgun Man. She is also in an episode of Scandal, but I know there will be ah. many, many more to come. So I just off the top of my head named that segment, and that's what it's going to be called now. So say it one more time in case you missed it. Living in Shondaland. Living in Shondaland. Okay, and then my next note was, I love Nurse Fallon. So I'm sure she I said like something her. else hilarious that prompted me to write that. Well, I was, I was, I was very surprised at how popular she was. Yes. Why Everyone came in. Everyone came to see her. And Christina's yeah, well, just wheeling her around. she worked there for 18 years. Well, so the, she would have known everybody because she would have known all the other nurses and then all the surgeons and all the um, probably lab techs and people who helped prep the um, surgical rooms. I don't know. I I may have missed a specific sentence about that, but I I was just under the impression that she was a scrub nurse for eighteen years, not that she was a scrub nurse there for eighteen years. Uh, so yeah, I must have missed that part. She was a scrub nurse there specifically. That's why she okay. worked a lot with Meredith's mom. Which which that I got, and yeah. then you know we'll get into that other piece of that epi- of the episode later on with that interaction. But I missed that part. So thank you. That puts a lot more into context for me. Yes. So I did say that the conversation, the first conversation with the two of them does give more insight into Ellis and Meredith's relationship. Oh, no. Sorry. That was, sorry. This was about the conversation with Ellis and Meredith where she's like showing her the pictures, I think. Yeah. About uh, her dad uh, and no how she called him. Around. Anyways. Well, I mean, that does come pretty, pretty much that next. That was so, later. Yeah. I was just getting confused. There was a period of time where after the 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 skull piece thing that Christina was super thirsty about that Whipple procedure. Mm-hmm. 
and then and then we we transition into that conversation with with Meredith and uh, well, Alice. I had to write because I enjoyed someone, uh, Doctor Burke, I believe. No, no, it was Nurse Fallon when they were talking about how um, they had the guy with the nail on the head, and Christina was in there with Burke and Weber. And Nurse Fallon goes, "Oh, you." You know, they get the human two by four and you get to push me around the hospital. And I thought that was yeah. funny that she called him a human two by four. He was. But also it, then, it was very funny that she was up at four a, or there at four a.m. And and yeah. like she's going to get the patient she wanted. And then yeah. she's still upset about it. Yeah, she doesn't get what she wants. She just got the patient she wanted, but not the results. Um, I wrote about. So when George and Alex are having their conversation. As much as Alex is currently unlikable in himself. When George is around him, it's as though he sinks to that level because, as I said prior, he's trying to be a bro, I guess, and be like, oh, yeah, they walk around in their underwear. And Alex, you know, is setting him up to be a dick to him. But why? Like, why just don't engage? You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes George less, even less likable. And he doesn't have that much likability already. So, yeah, it's for me. Because there's been conversations where he, like, is confiding in Alex, and then it's like, yeah, it brings out the worst version of him. And I'm wondering, okay, is is that version of George that we're seeing when Alex talks to him, is that the real George? Or is George just acting like a tool for acceptance? So right. that's where I start to be like, okay, what, which which version of these people are we seeing that's the real version of George? Right. And it's frustrating because don't you want to just say be who you are all the time yeah <laughs> either be be shit or be good like the, yeah. the best thing about alex is i mean he's himself he's yeah. a dick but he's fully himself he's authentic <laughs> not in a good way but he is and then i wrote so then they're prepping izzy's surgery guy again and she goes in there and he literally says shoe and it pissed me off so much like she is a person she is not a dog do not tell this fully grown, medically educated woman to shoe. I hated that. And then I was really confused because Bailey's pushing back so much and she wants to keep her on the case. And it doesn't make sense to me because if a patient requests for a doctor not to be their doctor anymore, I feel as though that would be honored. Obviously maybe. Obviously, could be wrong. But it kind of seemed maybe that just for the plot point of this episode that they were keeping it there to have the conflict. But I... I kind of think in the reality, if I, I just think if I was like a patient and I told a senior doctor that I was uncomfortable with one of the other doctors, I don't think I would have to see that person anymore. I could yeah, be wrong, well, but. It's, it's also interesting that in the moment, Dr. Bailey isn't like, hey, why, sir? Yeah. What's the problem? Uh, is it because she's a woman? Like, you know, I think that there, that, that was a note that I had is, okay, I actually like that Dr. Bailey was forcing her to stay on it. I didn't think about that point that you just mentioned about like, okay, well, if someone does request it, they should get their way, right? But I did make a note of, okay, I like that Dr. Bailey is forcing her to stay on, but I wish that she would have engaged a little bit more with the with the patient to see like, yeah. dude, what's your deal? Yeah. Yeah, why? could you like, defend why? why you're being such an asshole? Also, um, can I just point out, I don't think that I've heard a single one of these people say it's a beautiful day to save a life yet. Derek said it in the first episode, so. Really? And he probably said it in this one, too, because the whole thing is he says it before he starts every surgery. 
I miss that. I genuinely have not caught that yet. I will have yeah, he to. Yeah, said it in the first one. Okay, I'll have to go For back sure. and and catch I don't know it about because this one, but definitely, I, I I'm sure there's like a YouTube compilation I could find of him saying it every single time he said it, it would probably be 200 years long. Can but you, you just, can't watch it because of yeah. spoilers. <laughs> I was going to say, can you just send me the first two, please? <laughs> or the first one? Uh, okay, so that was a note that I had, but apparently I'm wrong. I will be more cognizant of it in the future. <laughs> and then I had the note, Alex, why are you like this? Because that's when he finds the magazine. And then he makes the copies. And I said, seriously, Alex, why are you like this? Well, then he did the elevator thing. Well, we'll get to that. Because that well, I later thought... I said, Alex, my God, why are you like this fuck? Yeah. But um, they're in the... I did make a note that the attending on the Izzy's case, they're making a point to say, it's a small area on the prostate. We can save a lot of it and still let him have a regular dick, basically. And the attending won't hear it. He's all about got to get to his golf game. And then Bailey says they call him Limp Harry because that's all he does is try and get in and out as fast as he can. He won't he doesn't have any consideration to the quality of life that he's leaving, which is disrespectful. Oh, 100%. It makes me not trust if I ever have a prostate issue that I should, you know, make my will and I'm going to sue if I don't have use of my penis afterwards. Why did Alex do that evil laugh? I don't remember. But I wrote Alex, why are you doing an evil laugh? It's they're in there watching the OR do the nails, but I don't remember what it is that he said. Oh, Hellraiser. That's, That's what, what it was. Yeah. Because it's weird because they have the shot on George and Christina talking, and then Alex does the laugh before he comes into the shot. So it's very unsettling because you go, who, why is happening in hospital? What, why ghost? Maybe that was a, a bad production <laughs> piece. Like they just, they <laughs> missed it in post. Um, and then. No one realized his mic was hot. <laughs> And then they show um, Burke and Christina. Burke's pushing Christina to do a lot. Christina's asking, why haven't you scheduled the Whipple? Where's the Whipple? Why? Well, I want to do the Whipple. And Burke is just saying, oh, I want to watch the labs. I want to watch the labs. Like, he's he's fucking with her a little bit, you know, which is, you know, his prerogative, I guess. A lot of times in medical shows, they kind of um, portray it as the more senior doctors will mess with interns which I've watched several YouTube videos of doctors responding or reacting to Grey's Anatomy episodes, and they all say, that's not really true because they want you to learn and be a good doctor so they don't really do mean things to you. Yeah, it's always portrayed as like this hazing or rite of passage thing. And then even uh, Nurse uh, Fallon was like, just, you know, now you belong or like welcome, like right, like this is, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and then we have the mo- this is when we have the moment where Meredith is speaking specifically to Nurse Fallon about Ellis, and she's like, "Oh, she sends her regards." And Fallon says, "Really? Well, that doesn't sound like her." <laughs> um, so she's kind of suspect of things Meredith is saying, and that's when they do the pictures um, with Ellis and Meredith. Which is rough, you know, to think about sitting there and explaining pictures to someone that they're in and the memories that you're in. But then, oh, it's so bad. Then she mentions Nurse Fallon and Ellis just instantly remembers it and switches to a different person. So she's kind of living in her heyday of 
of her medical success, it would appear, with her on Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Well, it's interesting, though, because you, you, I, w- I actually wrote in that scene before it got to that point, okay, well, what's, what's going to trigger her? Something is going to trigger her to bring her back to reality. What's it going to be? I was surprised that it was a nurse, but I think the, the, the interesting part to what you just said is in the first episode, she's like, I think I was a surgeon. So I don't think she's necessarily living in the heyday, but it is interesting that the medical piece triggered that response more than her husband. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's making the sound is that she's been in an, a home for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. She has been portrayed as a very progressive Alzheimer's patient. So right. I it's just a, that's an interesting viewpoint for me, but I, I'm excited to hopefully see that their relationship grows. And eventually I'm assuming Ellis is going to die. So that'll be a tough episode, I'm sure. Well, there's I think the the early onset Alzheimer's is not to say it just started yesterday. I believe the early comes more from the age. So I think it's more that she's young and not as old yet. So that's, I think, where why they say it's early onset. Not because it's fresh, but because she's not as old as a lot of people who have that level of dementia would be at. Right. So, okay, so... And then this is where we get to the Alex making more poor choices. And I wrote, Alex, God, why are you like this fuck? Because he has photocopied (laughs) half-naked pictures of Izzy and plastered them all over the hospital, which is, again, a fireable offense that someone should maybe go to HR about. And that wouldn't stand. You'd be posting it, and the janitor would be right behind you going like, yo, dude, you can't post that. Rip. What? Yeah, or, or maybe an HR person could see it on the wall and say, hey, could someone fill me in on why this is happening? And could we maybe rectify the situation? Yeah, let's let's check the tape and see who did this so we can yeah, fire let's them. Fire these people for sure. No so way, I, it's a doctor. <laughs> so then I wrote Izzy's speech is one of my all-time favorite Grey's Anatomy's moment to date. I truly do think about this pretty regularly. I really love this moment. I love how she handles it. She's just such a badass in that moment. And it's kind of the first time we really see Alex get put in his place. Because even if you think back to the first episode where uh, Dr. Weber is calling him on his shit. He's still just annoyed. But here you can kind of, I I think the look on his face is more of, oh, I've actually crossed a line, which is not one we've seen yet from him. So it's interesting that he has that dimension to him. Um, again, still shitty that he did it, but it does lead to like the greatest moment. Yes. I, I was a big fan of the moment for a number of reasons. Okay. Notably. Right, you don't need to talk about her getting naked. Okay, so the other reasons, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, with with the uh, definitely an empowering moment for her. It's it's funny because she, again, I'm very excited to see her character arcs and developments mm-hmm. because so far she's she's one of my favorite characters on the show. But I, it's just funny how the same person who could be so confident, so empowered so willing to like jump off the ledge at that point is mm-hmm. the same person who was like hey brain dead person we need a miracle just yeah. an episode or two before yeah so that's interesting that was the one thing that if i was to point to okay can i tell this was directed by a different person in this episode that would be my one piece it, it didn't seem consistent with her arc 
but it showed a side that I hope is more along the lines of what she grows into. Yeah. I do. Um, one of my favorite lines is how she ends on it. She goes, just remember when you're sitting on $200,000 of student loans, I'm out of debt. And then just walks out and I'm like, yes, queen. Yeah. <laughs> Big BBE right there. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to the nail guy. We've had a successful surgery. They're sitting there. They're in love. So what I wrote was, they're really setting up something terrible happening by showing us how kind and in love these people are. Because we still don't get it for a little bit more of the episode. So right. I'm just, they're just setting up heartbreak. Um, and then I said, we have a nice and awkward moment between Izzy and the cancer patient where he just explicitly says, just so you know, I have in fact masturbated to your photograph. <laughs> Which... The, what the, what they accomplish in that scene is great because he is not rude about it. He's kind and he does a good job of actually explaining. But just what he's explaining is what makes it awkward. So, good times. Also, like, couldn't you have just done that number one? Yeah. <sighs> Instead of just yelling, no, 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 shoo, no. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't want to tell someone that because it's a, an awkward thing to tell a stranger, I would imagine. I haven't <laughs> had that conversation myself, but um, you could, again, you don't have to be rude. You can just say, I'm not really comfortable with this, working with this person, but still, whatever. Anyways, so nice moment, but awkward and weird. So, and then we get Meredith talking to Nurse Fallon and she said, oh, Alice Gray never forgot a thing. And I wrote, ouch. Yeah. And that's when Meredith cries and tells nurse fallon the diagnosis and which is the first person that she has told so as far as we know right now there are three people who know outside of like the nursing home so it's ellis gray meredith gray and elizabeth fallon who dies so it just goes back down to two well it wasn't even she didn't even offer that information up nurse fallon was like what's the diagnosis right and she's but she like, could have said well, shit she's traveling she's she could have kept lying she cho- she chose to open up about it well yeah which is respectful but if she would, if she never would have said those lines, what's the diagnosis? I don't think she would have opened up. Yeah, probably not. Um, and then they're out and they're talking about whatever, and Christina just <laughs> stops the conversation and says, "If I were you, I would just be naked all the time. <laughs> wouldn't have a job. Wouldn't leave my house. I would just always be naked." And I just think that's a nice moment because it's nice when Christina is a little more lighthearted. Well, she started by saying, you know everyone hates you, right? Or no, you know <laughs> yeah, we all hate you, you, you right? You get that we hate you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I love it. Yeah, that was a good, fun moment. And then um, I wrote, I love when Christina cares, but it is also makes me really sad because Izzy cares all the time. So it's not, I'm not, not to be rude, but it's not special. It's just constant. So when Christina cares, it really gets to me because it's, it's a rare, it's a rare gem. Well, it was it was in, so you're talking about the when when Nurse Fallon dies. Is that what you're talking about? Well, when she realizes about? that she's brought here to die and she can't do anything, but then yes, she actually does die, and she wants to not let that happen. Yeah, it was very interesting because in in the moment, everyone's like, "Hey, there's a DNR." Yeah. Hey, hand, hands raised, Christina. Just so you know. DNR and then <laughs> the only me. I don't you can't do this yeah uh uh medical license flying away right now <laughs> and then you know Dr. Burke comes in and is like yo what the fuck I'm just <laughs> going to stop. literally lift you off of this person yeah 
Um, so yeah, and that's the first they make a point to say that's the first time that she calls time of death, which is you know it's gonna stick with her forever. So I will say Netflix synopsis nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Changed her forever. Did you that 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 moment between Burke and Christina? Did you feel like was it awkward to you in the hallway where they're just staring at each other for a second? Um, no, because I think it's like an understanding between doctors. I'm, I think it was kind of supposed to be a, I understand what you're do, going through. I've been here. I've been through this. So just let it happen and know that you're, you aren't alone in it. And I, Sandra O oh is so good. I just love her so much specifically in this role. Like she's incredible and she just does such a good job. And when, when she's sad, you can really just see it so much on her face and I just love it. I I didn't really get that. So thank you for explaining that to me. I I felt like that was my read. Yeah. It was it was just a weird tension. I couldn't really like I got that like he's saying with his emotions and holding her saying like you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to keep your head above water. But I didn't get the other piece that you had said. So I and I see that now. I can totally see that. For me it it I could have used more dialogue in that specific scene. That's just me. I also think they have very similar um, personality types, very work focused, very much trying to be the best at what they do. So I think that's just another thing where he's almost saying it's okay to care, but don't, don't lose yourself in it. Um, And then I also hated when George said, I'm too masculine to be emasculated. Like shut your dumb hole. (laughs) Like shut up. Shut up. Yeah, because all of your actions are saying otherwise, you <laughs> punk. Because you're being a tiny man turd. Tiny man turd. Yeah. Um, and then I loved, you know, when Izzy ended up standing up for the patient and going in and yelling at the doctor and saying, "This is what this man wants, and you should, as his surgeon, be giving him that." Um, and then the song they play at the end, uh, is one of. To me, one of the most like iconic Grey's Anatomy songs. It's Where Did the Good Go by Tegan and Sarah. Um, I believe it gets used again more than once later on. But to me, it's just classic Grey's Anatomy. I just love that song so much. So when it started playing, I audibly gasped in my room. I was like, <gasps> and then I sang along with it. Did you forget that it was in that particular scene? I forgot scene? it was in this episode. I just, I just knew it was very early on um, Grey's, but I didn't know, remember when specifically so. We love to see it. Yes. And then the last and scene of the show. they went on a date. Yes. That's what I was going to say. And then they wrapped it up by crossing those personal lines that she was so hell-bent on not doing. <laughs> I wrote, oh, look at that. A date. <laughs> I wrote, okay, so Meredith and Dr. Handsome Wiener are, like, dating? Question mark. Mm-hmm. So that's where we leave it off today. And then Netflix almost made me watch another episode. Ugh. Makes you want to a little bit, doesn't it? I do. Listen, I do, okay? For anyone out there listening, I do want to watch the rest of these episodes. Yeah. I am am a Grey's Anatomy. I'm a stan now. I'm a Grey's Anatomy and Grey's Academy stan at this point. Uh, Yeah. But there are some of them where it ends and nothing's... You don't have an immediate question of like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Like, ah, the last one. I don't really feel like had anything pressing on me. But there are certain ones where it ends and you really want to go, oh, my God, I'm watching it right now. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. So. Which, Kelsey, ask me what my rating for this episode is. Carmen, what's your rating for this episode? All right. So 
on a scale of one through five. One being mm-hmm. med student, five being fellow. Attending. Attending, right. Yes. I give it a fellow, number four. Yay. My first four out of five stars fellow ranking of the podcast. I think I have to give it a four and a half. So I'm like a fellow who's very close to being an attending, I guess. Because You're interviewing. You're interviewing <laughs> for the role. I had some job offers, putting up feelers. <laughs> um, I really, really love this episode, but ugh, I, George was just not doing it for me. It just, I it was very annoying to me. And I was like, this conversation, if anyone tried to say this to me now, I would just be like, do you need psychological help? Can I get you a therapist? Because you yeah. really need one. This is, it's fine. Yeah. No one's going to say you're not a man because you bought a box of tampons, you turd. Yeah. And also, I know that, so I, I don't want to get in the habit of like jumping back after we do the rankings. Uh, I do want to say one of the things that want. made the episode, <laughs> thank you. One of the th- things that made this episode actually higher for me is looking at like the thought provoking question with the couple with uh Jorge and his and his wife like mm-hmm. okay is it oh yeah we didn't talk about that five well yeah I mean but it's <laughs> five to ten bad years potentially versus mm-hmm. three to five good years right of right. and and for anyone if you're following along it's the specifically okay they find we, the tumor after they pull out all the nails Yes, the tumor is in the spot of the brain that specifically focuses on your emotions, your personality, and your memories. Mm-hmm. So the trade-off was five to ten good years versus three to five bad years. And I, I wrote a quote that actually stuck with me. Uh, where was it? So he, when the girl said, he will still be my Jorge, and I'll remember for the both of us. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a big line to me, and that yeah. is actually one of the things that pushed this into a four out of five versus like yeah. a mid threes. Mm-hmm. It's just, man, yeah, it, what, it's, what would you do? They really set it up. That's how I, I was like, man, they really set up that these people are great people and deserve nothing but good things. So naturally, something terrible is going to happen. So, yeah, I do like the the confrontation between her and Meredith, while terribly unprofessional and line crossing. I I did find that moment. Um, very moving as well. And that, that specific line is wonderfully written, especially because the way she delivers it, she's angry and sad and on the verge of tears, but it's so much passion and, and coming from such a place. And I can't imagine having to make that kind of decision. So nope, 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 nope. Yes, Couldn't I agree, do it. Though, that is a line worth mentioning for sure. Uh, any other final thoughts for the episode, my dear friend? Um, no, but I do just want to say, uh, this is the first episode we've recorded since we dropped our first three, cause we dropped them all at once and we've gotten a lot of support and a lot of people we can, you know, watch and see how many people are listening. So we just want to say thank you all so much because it's really great to see and, um, know that people are enjoying it. So we want to keep doing that for you guys. Uh, we do have an Instagram you can follow. It's Gray's Academy pod. And we have an email, graysacademypod at gmail.com. So if you have anything you think we should be adding to these episodes or discussing or anything like that, please reach out to us on one of those platforms and we would love to hear it. And just thank you so much for listening and going on this journey with us. And it's a good time. We hope lots and lots of you are starting your Grey's Anatomy rewatches to, to do this with us. Yeah, and also on that note, as much as we love the feedback and as lo- as much as we love the social media contact, don't fucking spoil the show for me. Yes, I have, please. That is important. Like, <laughs> is okay. Who? How 
many people in the world just like don't know anything about this podcast. If you haven't listened, a, if you're a small number, I'm a sure. Small number. Okay, in, maybe not in the world, but like in the United States. Okay, uh, the specifically people who are, here, absolutely. Y- yes. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't uh, w- listened to our pilot episode, season one, episode one, a hard day's night, just know. <laughs> I didn't even know Catherine Heigl was in that show. That's how insulated from this I am. So, and we're trying to keep him in this bubble as much as we can. So he's not allowed to Google anything about it. I do everything. So <laughs> if you do reach out about it, know that I will probably be the one that receives it. Carbon's not going to be uh, filtering through any of this. So I'm not really going to filter it before. But if you do know us or reach out to us, please uh, try and maintain that boundary. That's our boundary. That That's our boundary. <laughs> that that, that you, you will not spoil it for Carmen. Or if it gets will, ruined, the podcast is done. We will both get upset. <laughs> we will <both> be very <laughs> upset, honestly. So oh, uh, I guess anyway, on so that thank note, thank you guys so much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.